You're listening to From the Front Lines, a special podcast from WUFT during the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast provides daily updates on Florida's response to coronavirus with a particular focus on North Central Florida. In addition to news and important information, From the Front Lines will feature a member of the community who is working to keep the community safe or running during these challenging times. Hello, I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and this is From the Front Lines. Here are the most recent COVID-19 numbers from around the state. There are now 231 positive cases of COVID-19 in Alachua County, according to the latest numbers from the State Department of Health. Positive case numbers in the North Central Florida region include 264 in Clay County, 145 in Marion County, and 94 in Citrus County. Statewide, there are 29,648 positive cases of the coronavirus and are reported 987 deaths. Nonprofit organizations are receiving fewer donations as people cling to their money during uncertain times brought on by COVID-19. However, nonprofits still need funding in order to survive the pandemic and to support the most vulnerable of the community. Carla Lewis-Miles, the Neighborhood Revitalization Coordinator for Alachua Habitat for Humanity, says her goal is to raise a collective voice and get the attention of political leaders so that nonprofits aren't overlooked. So when you couple all that together and then you hit a pandemic, you know, it's important that you look at nonprofits to say they don't have the profits to survive this. The goal is to spread awareness and continue to receive funding so that Habitat for Humanity and other nonprofits can continue to serve the community. Florida's Attorney General is seeking help for homeowners affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Attorney General Ashley Moody and a bipartisan coalition of 34 attorneys general sent letters to the Federal Housing Finance Administration and the Department of Housing and Urban Development recommending certain actions be taken to help homeowners. Those actions include guidance revising forbearance programs so that foreborne payments are automatically placed at the end of the loan's term, expansion of eligibility for disaster relief loss mitigation programs, and more clarification of the moratorium on foreclosures and evictions. Uncertainty in the housing market because of the coronavirus is having a negative impact on the state's lumber industry. Alan Shelby is executive vice president of the Florida Forestry Association. Our sawmill uh, sector uh, is really flat on its back at this time, uh, primarily due to housing uh, and market uncertainty. Shelby says other parts of the industry, like pulp mills, are running at full speed to produce more toilet paper for consumers. Shelby adds forest products make up the state's largest agricultural commodity. According to new figures, a half million Floridians applied for unemployment benefits last week. This week's figures come as a statewide task force continues examining when businesses shuttered and forced to lay off workers because of the new coronavirus can reopen. The U.S. Department of Labor reported that more than 505 initial claims for unemployment benefits were filed in Florida last week. That pushes the state's number of claims filed for unemployment well past 1 million claims since businesses around the state started closing last month under lockdown orders from municipalities and then Florida's governor. Florida has a civilian labor force of around 10 million workers. The Alachua County School Board is doing its best to provide not only meals, but fresh local produce to children in the area during this prolonged period of social distancing. WUFT's Cameron Lund checks back in with Alachua County Public Schools Food and Nutritional Services Director Maria Eunice. She discusses how long the program will last and what else they're doing to help farmers and families in Alachua County. Why were you out here today, Maria? Today I'm out here visiting Alachua Elementary School because we are doing the Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Program. We have this program that we offer um, throughout the school year at 13 of our schools. And um, 
we have 10 of our FFVP sites, fresh fruit and vegetable sites that are um, serving meals for this um, for this program during the during the COVID uh, virus. And we are um, we have been given the word last week that we could continue to do the fresh fruit and vegetable program. How many meals have you served so far? We're going to hit um, over half a million meals today, probably just over 505,000 meals. That's amazing. How does that make you feel? In four weeks, we're feeling great about it. We feel great about being able to serve the community and um, feed health, um, hungry children during this time. I know there are a lot of families that are kind of struggling, and um, some people lost their jobs during this process, and so we're really thankful that we can we can serve the community. Um, how many students are usually served during the school year with lunches? During the school year, we serve um, a close to um, 23,000 meals a day. Um, we have a breakfast, lunch, snack, and supper, and the fresh fruit and vegetable program. So we, um, we're serving a little less meals than we normally serve, but because we're serving Monday, we serve seven days a week during this process, um, we're serving quite a few meals, um, more meals it seems for the one week because of the seven days a week. We're given uh, every child that comes up, we give a breakfast and a lunch. So we're serving more breakfast than we normally serve. Are those all the schools in Alonchua County or just certain schools in each city? We have 76 sites that we're serving right now. We have uh, 33 of our food, of our schools that are open. And we have, um, we have eight additional sites like Riker House, Boys and Girls Club, additional sites. You can find them on our website mm -hmm. at yourchoicefresh.com. We also have um, 34 bus stop sites. We have 15 buses going out each day, and we have published times where they're in neighborhoods, and they, um, they stop and uh, every day. We're um, Monday, through Monday through Friday, we're feeding in, in the neighborhoods on those bus routes. Have you had an inventory problem at all? Is it kind of like first come, first serve, or should you get there early? We have been working very hard to make sure that we don't run out of food. I don't think we've had very little um, issues with that um, because we have backup buses that run and when the meals are getting low on the bus routes and we make sure we have backup food in our kitchens at the school sites. Our biggest challenge is the supply chain. We are struggling to have um, to get the food to make up the, a meal for the breakfast and the lunch. Um, we are um, we're starting now to transition to more savory meals. We're, we're working on pizza, calzonets, uh, grilled cheese sandwiches, more savory, so that families I know are looking forward to that and looking for that change. So that's been a, a, a little bit of a challenge at the beginning, but we're adjusting and it's, um, I know they're starting to appreciate the, the changes. Yes, ma'am. Is there a difference between the, the, the take-home meal program and the vegetable program? Yes, um, the fresh fruit and vegetable program is only at 10 of our sites. This is like we said, it's at um, our sites that we normally have the fresh fruit and vegetable program during the school year. And um, the take home meal, the grab and go meals are for every one of our 76 sites. But the fresh fruit and vegetable program is just for the sites that normally have that program that's funded through the farm bill. It's a special grant program that we have during the school year. It's a wonderful program. We're able to during the year, we give every child in those 13 schools a um, fresh food or vegetable every day of the of the school year. Every day of the school year, so not the weekends and stuff like that. Correct. Yes, 
Okay, and so right now um, you're funded until you run out of food or up until the end of the school year. So that's May 29th. Or until we are not able to get that fresh produce from farmers. But right now it, it, it's looking promising that we'll be able to do that through, through May. And that's all local farmers? So is that by donation? Um, no, um, we, we pay the farmers. That's why we feel great about doing this. The farmer, we're helping out the farmers. Um, it's funded through the grant, the farm bill. The, the fresh fruit and vegetable program is and we have the family garden is working with, uh, with us um, today we are giving out lettuce kale and cucumbers from the family garden um, frog song gave us sweet potatoes and onions and also um, blue sky was able to supply us with some sweet potatoes so and those again are all local farms all local farms yeah wow yes. that's great and just uh, just one more thing that popped up um I know this coronavirus kind of just popped up on everybody. Do you feel that the that you were prepared for all this, just what happened? Um, we luckily, we had a week before spring break that we served eight sites and that was a, that was a struggle. We, we did um, have spring break just after that and we worked all through spring break mm -hmm. getting the food into our warehouse and getting the schools up and running and getting them supplied with, with food and supplies to be able to package the meals. So um, I, it was a huge adjustment, a huge transition from what we normally do. Um, I think we're getting caught up now. So um, it, was, it was challenging at the beginning, but I think, we're doing, I think we're doing well now. Any other thing you want to say right now? We just feel great about being able to, to support the local farmers. We feel great about being able to, um, to supply food to the community and the children um, 18 years and younger. Um, because I know that there are families that are struggling and we're glad to be able to, to assist at this time. From the Front Lines is a production of the Innovation News Center at the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Thank you to our producers, Taylor Levesque, Daniela Mora, Anthony Montalto, Josh Williams, Melissa Fato, and Cameron Lund. Also, thanks to our fellow Florida public media stations for their contributions to this podcast. And a special thank you to Matt Abramson and Craig Lee for their work behind the scenes. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have a story to share with From the Front Lines, please contact WUFT on Facebook or Twitter, or send an email to news at WUFT.org. That's news at WUFT.org. Join us Monday for another edition of From the Front Lines. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and of course, thanks for listening.